Greetings. Welcome to Haber Bros, a podcast for historic cross-centered Christians. We seek to provide ancient answers to a culture that's forgotten the questions. Thank you for listening this week. If you like what you're hearing or enjoy the show, please share it with share it with a friend and say positive things about us. This is how podcasts grow. If you've not yet given us a five-star rating and a positive review, on your favorite podcast platform, please do so now. Follow us on Twitter, on our delightfully dormant account, account <laughs> at Clergy Lay, and join our Facebook discussion group and help resuscitate it and bring it back to life. I'm Kirk Haberman, a church musician, and this is my brother, Chris, an older priest. Chris, mm. how are you? I'm a man. You are I'm a real 40. man now. Yeah, as in the words of the inimitable Mike Gundy, I'm a man. I'm 40. Uh, today, it's my birthday. And it's Happy a big birthday. One. The big 4-0. Thank you, Kirk. Uh, yeah, and I uh, had some fun last night, some kind of birthday fun and have some stuff planned for today. And uh, in addition to my birthday, we're, we're celebrating the fourth birthday of the church that I'm pastor of. Uh, and that's very exciting as well. I didn't know that. That is very cool. Happy birthday yeah. to your church. Thank you. How are you, Kirk? Um, how am I? I'm good. Uh, Three-day weekend, which is always a lot of fun. Uh, yesterday, I didn't examine it deeply. People were saying casually that it was a result of um, the hurricane that uh, that's working its way up. What's what's her name? Rachel? Is it Rachel? No, it can't be right. I don't know. Unimportant. Uh, we we got destroyed with uh, like eight. We had we had two inches of rain. Rained all day. Rain, 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 rain. So I was stuck inside, stuck with my thoughts, and uh, we'll talk about it later. But I'm um, thinking a lot about Veterans Day. Thinking a lot about World War One. My my two oldest sons had a uh, had a veterans day parade and father of the year determined that it was too rainy for me to go so i didn't even go and watch them play in the band um i'm in i'm in i was going to ask what does it mean what does it mean to say they had a parade it means they played in the band at the parade they Got played it. they played in the in the, in the <clears throat> band now it's interesting they uh at our at our county seat here in the um in the exurbs in the in the exurbs of pittsburgh in the uh, the northernmost reaches of the Appalachians, Pittsburgh, as I like to call it, the Paris of Appalachia, uh, we uh, our our county parade stops at eleven a.m. and there's mm -hmm. um I forget if it's one minute or two minutes of silence, 
it feels like an eternity. The kids have to stand at attention at parade rest, you know, so the kids who are carrying trombones or brat, basically it's fine. If you're a woodwind, if you're a brass instrument sitting there at attention for two minutes, you, uh, you can tell the strong kids from the noodle arms <laughs> and, uh, and then they play the national anthem. And that's usually a kind of a, a moving moment. Uh, of course, famously, the, um, the, the, the guns ceased firing on at 11 a.m. on November 11th, 1918, to mark the armistice. My my son, Christopher, my son told me a fun fact. My kids are reaching reaching the age where I'm no longer sharing fun facts with them. Well, it's a, it's it's equal. They they now share fun fun facts with me. Do you know that um, as sort of a kind of a um, I guess maybe a mark of good faith that that it, the ceasefire was real, and also in celebration. American artillery fired off all their shells before 11 a.m. Uh, when? You're saying okay, before yeah, 11. Yeah, like around 10 o'clock. 11 a.m. Like, no, knowing that the ceasefire is 11. Yeah, month. got right. it. So I guess it must have been just this, like, the huge cannonade. Wow, yeah. And I don't think we were firing, like, at the Germans, just, like, firing in the air, like, just getting rid of the shells. <laughs> Last shot. Right. I shouldn't and, and also, Sorry. how American... and awesome thing. How American is that, yeah. right? Like... The French were probably already like get into the wine. Um, uh, the Brits, I, I, I don't know, um, eating kippers or something. Uh, the Germans were probably like, <laughs> I don't like waiting very. Who, who knows? But 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 we but were it, like, it, it, let's it was, shoot them all off. <laughs> it, it was to be the war to end all wars. Like it was so awful that we never wanted to do this or see this again. And so I'm I'm sure the the American thought was like. We won't need to use these. Like we'll not be stupid enough to uh, to have a world to get together and have a world war again. So no more great, no more great wars, no more great wars, right? Yeah, and we'll yeah. talk about that later. Um. So I, but I, I, I observed Veterans Day by thinking on it and um, mm. being a deadbeat and not attending the local parade. <laughs> Uh, and I I didn't put two and two. Well, no, no, your birthday do your birthday was to, is today. Never mind. Yeah, but you guys do anything fun for Veterans yes. Day? What'd you do? Parade? We did nothing to observe Veterans Day. Ah, oh, a, a Mennonite observation. <laughs> Indeed, acknowledge like acknowledging <laughs> our deep Mennonite uh, identity. Uh, However, we did on Tuesday night uh, have a, a wonderful musical uh, event. Uh, I don't know how often they do this, but they gathered all the orchestrators in the city schools, which, I mean, it, it's that's something. That's six middle schools and four high schools. Um, and, and I say I specify city schools because, I mean, there are private schools and then there are suburban schools. But... Sorry, um, this amounted to. <laughs> it sounds like you were. Are, am I boring you? <laughs> Eleven hundred students gathered together in our old arena, um, and uh, many more parents um, for the uh, All City Music Festival, and it was just an awesome sight to see one thousand one hundred uh, uh, middle and high school orchestra students uh, who had worked hard, and um, they they played one piece together. Um, and, uh, and then actually two, they played the national anthem together and then another piece. And then each orchestra got to do their own, um, a, f a few selections. So that, that was, that was just tremendously wonderful to, 
Um, and also like Jordan was just uh, she's been talking about it for weeks about how exciting this was. Um, and it's just, it's something like that you work hard for. And the, uh, that was, the that clips was really cool. that you sent me were amazing. Uh, and and I know that it was the high school orchestra, not not mm. kind of the combined middle school orchestras. But you sent me kind of one minute to test me. Uh, curious, out of curiosity, you sent me a this minute my of ah the uh, the fourth movement of Hector Berlioz's Symphony Fantastique, uh, March to the Scaffold, which is a, a super fun symphony, um, and that movement itself is just like riotously fun um dun, 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 dun. yeah yeah uh, um and what was what was really cool as the conductor before uh the piece um pointed out like they're not playing some simplified score like they're playing Berlioz's actual so, um music you know not, did, did, not did some they version. alter anything to double the winds or is it just the strings and like i mean no they, they, they brought in they brought in winds they brought in winds okay okay yep yeah. Cool. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know who those students were, but they're like, "Hey, we're gonna play some, some barely outs, please." Like, did they bring in percussion? Um, join our orchestra. Yeah. Because at the yeah. end, of course, there's that um the uh the the the, the snare roll before the, the the head gets chopped off. Which uh, yeah. every every time I I point that out, that's what's happening at the end of that movement, to either um. It's my, the march to the scaffold. Children. Do you think there's not right. going to be a head chopped off? either my children right or, or or other people um when because this is a thing i do is i get pedagogical when a symphony comes on <laughs> they're like look at me in horror like what really i'm like listen you'll hear like you'll hear the blade come down and you hear boop, boop. like yeah the head the head fall and then there it is so <laughs> uh, and that that is that is um that's his destruction yeah that's a terrible transition we won't go with that but you know that oh was gosh, really yeah. cool christopher that was really cool. Um, for us, uh, I, I got this morning to watch uh, Daphne um, play in her basketball league. I'll send you some clips later. Um, it's cool. First of all, after having three unusually short children, to have my fourth child be tall is just comical. Like, watch her be taller than the, the, the her three older brothers when the dust <laughs> finally settles. Um, but like, it's interesting. She's I'm, I'm not I'm not pronouncing her like scholarship quality um college college athlete but like she's holding her own it's first and second graders so you can tell who the second graders are she's a first grader but she's uh she's she's ball handling she's making steals she's getting shots off because you know at that age like there are a lot of kids that can't even get a shot off right oh like they yeah. crouch they get in like the froggy pose and they yes. kind of like shuffle and and they you know what I mean they get in the defensive froggy crouch and like it reminds like, me at halftime of <laughs> of certain uh varsity or JV varsity games I think they would pull out the third and fourth like yes. no no the second and third graders on the small hoops and we like that was the halftime entertainment it's uh, so it's fun some, to watch and yeah like I could picture the froggy crouch of of the kids <laughs> who just don't quite like not confident enough to get a shot up not realizing that the defense isn't there's not the Kembe Matanbo on that court, you know, like <laughs> shoot the ball. Yeah. Right. And it's funny. So um when they play at that age, no, there's no pressing. So once you get a rebound, um everyone goes the, back. The, yeah. The def everyone has to go back. And and uh the coaches today, it was impossible to enforce it. Like it was just a complete free for all. Because when you tell the kids it's still early on in the season, 
you'd tell the kids no pressing and they look at you like i don't know what you're talking about but i'm going to take the ball from him like <laughs> don't tell me not to play defense right you just we just spent 40 minutes working on defense what are you what are you telling me to do now this seems to be uh mixed signals you're giving me <laughs> right <laughs> so so it was it was cute and it was fun yeah um should we look at the gospel Good transition. Yes, let's turn to our <laughs> gospel. Today's gospel comes from Luke chapter 21, verses 5 through 19. And while some were speaking of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings, he said, As for these, these things that you see, the days will come when there will not be left one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And they asked him, Teacher, when will these things be? And when what will the sign be? when these things are about to be take place. And he said, see that you are not led astray for many will come in my name saying, I am he. And the time is at hand. Do not go after them. And when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified for these things must take place, must first take place, but the end will not be at once. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes in various places, famines and pestilences, and there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. Before all these things, before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Settle it, therefore, in your minds not to meditate beforehand how to answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom, which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You'll be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives." The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, Kirk, here we have um, what we call a synoptic apocalypse. Uh, we, um, I think the English language, if we were to look up the definition of apocalypse, it would probably say something to the effect of something uh, revealing, lasting-ish. Well, that's that's what it means, but oh, it's okay, become okay. to mean the end of the world. Where right. apocalypse, like the 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 real meaning and historical meaning, has been a revealing, an unveiling, like the lifting up of a sheet to show what what is to come. Um, but uh, unfortunately, uh, what is to come is you know pestilence and 
you know, earthquakes, <laughs> violence. And that that's what it's kind of come to mean. But when we say apocalypse, we just say a revealing. Like this is what is, say John's apocalypse was a revealing of what is to come. Um, and so let's not mix up those things. Um, but uh, so not only is this an, an apocalypse um, pointing forward to, to two different things. One is the destruction of the temple. And one uh, and the other is uh, the second coming of Jesus, which we kind of cut off right before that. Right. Um, uh, which is good. You have to stop somewhere. But um, uh, we see and these are mixed together. Um we see verses 20 through 24 about the uh, destruction of Jerusalem. And then immediately he goes to um, the coming of the son of man coming with the clouds. And um, so these, th these things are mixed together. And I think it's provided uh, an, a bit of confusion for people, especially like the people who do ask for signs and look for signs. Um, when Jesus makes it clear, uh, nobody knows the time or the hour um, but it will be clear. Why will it be clear? Uh, well, the first thing that he's talking about is the fact that the temple will be destroyed. There'll be armies around you, and that's the time, okay? Um, and the second one is that Jesus will be coming with the clouds, and, like, no one's going to miss that. Um, so I, I just want to meditate just a few minutes on uh, the meaning of the of the temple, uh, on, on what it was. Uh, of course, we, we see in Acts two different times— both Stephen and Paul say that the, the God we worship does not live in temples made by human hands. However, the, the temple did come to represent, um, as did the tabernacle before it, the presence of God. So we had the tabernacle as as the presence of God um, when they were on the move. Uh, and then when they, uh, in Jerusalem, uh, the temple was known as the presence of God um, in uh, just in, in, in the world, like people would make the trip to Jerusalem for the sacrifice, but also like, there's a sense of like, this is, this is where we can experience God. And, uh, uh, with our covenant, Kirk, um, our bodies are temples for the Holy spirit that we've been given on the day of Pentecost, the Holy spirit to dwell in us. And um, so Christ came not only near us in the incarnation, but he, uh, he became uh, born as as a man who is like us in every way except without sin. So the presence of God um, very much changed there, and also um, the presence of God dwells in us as Christians um, through the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so these chapters here, uh, starting uh, at Luke 18, um, we have – I'm sorry, Luke 19, we, we have the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Palm Sunday. So this is this is his last week in Jerusalem, and of course, immediately after the, uh, so Jesus cleanses the temple. I'm sorry, Jesus enters Jerusalem. He weeps over Jerusalem, and then he goes right in and cleanses the temple. And at that point, like the religious leaders are very uh, suspicious, uh, confrontational. Um, and so Jesus kind of turns on them with the parable of the wicked tenants being like, yeah, you're going to kill me and you think you're going to solve, solve things, but you're not. And they didn't even understand it, but they perceived that it was like against them. Do you remember that? Yes. And so they got very, very angry at him. So they tried to trap him about paying tax about, uh, to Caesar. Um, uh, and then he says, beware of the scribes. And then we have the widow's offering, which again, all of this, um, 
really cuts to the core of of the corruption of of the temple system and like what true religion is. Uh, what does James tell us true religion is, Kirk? Oh, oh, don't test me. Isn't it like remembering widows and orphans? Um, yes, that's that seems right. That seems right. Yeah, and I, I'm not even nailing it either. Uh, but but uh, what what is true religion? Well, it's contrasted between. Um, the scribes and Pharisees who like to walk around in long robes, love greetings in marketplaces, and the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. And that comes – There's we, then we have an artificial uh, chapter break between chapter 20 and 21 where we have the widow's offering. So he's contrasting um, the hypocrisy of those who would appear religious with the widow who gives all that she had um, – and should have been uh, instead of being devoured, she should have been provided for. Um, and and so like we're seeing Jesus say something profound about the temple. Um, in the cleansing of the temple, we're seeing something profound. Um, and it's it's in preparation for uh, what is to come as far as um, Jesus and and um, his presence on earth once he ascends to the right hand of the Father. And again, Kirk, I, I cannot emphasize this so much, uh, enough. Like, we are not to look at earthquakes or famines or pestilences or terrors or great signs from heaven or nations rising against nations and kingdoms against kingdoms and say, oh, see, it, this matches oh, that. Man. Therefore, every um, casual conversation that I have with fellow believers, that is all they want to talk about. Anything bad that's happening is just evidence that the end is here. I mean, this is just our default setting, I think, as American Christians. Don't you think? You probably run into this constantly. And people assume sure. they have a friendly ear with you, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, things are so bad. Uh, and, and you know what's funny, Kirk? Uh, do you know what I've been saying recently? Um, because Tell I was me. deeply moved by the Tell parable me. of the persistent widow. Okay. So what do we do when times are bad? We pray. We pray. We pray. And yeah. he told them a parable to the effect <laughs> that they ought not, I'm sorry, ought always to pray and not lose heart. Yes. Many of these people have lost heart. And that's interesting right. that you raise this um, because uh, our reading from First uh, Thessalonians uh is is one I'm sorry second Thessalonians is one where people were so convinced that the end was near that they stopped working they like quit their jobs right. and he had to say if anyone is not willing to work let him not eat he had to say something mm. very specific to that church because they were so convinced and they were just staring at the at the horizon waiting for the second return as opposed to saying no no continue in your daily life right. do the work that God has given you to do um the great commission work yeah. and the work the daily work of persistent prayer uh, not just like throwing up your hands, Kirk. I remember there's certain things that you've said in the past that have like stuck with me. Um, and and one time, uh, you know, you're frustrated with somebody who was just too negative, and you were like, uh, like hopelessness is is not a Christian virtue. Hope is right. Yeah, Hope is <laughs> that that God holds all things in His hands. And I think there's a certain, um, and that's why like theology does matter. Like there's a certain um pre-millennial dispensationalist view of the world that almost celebrates the world getting bad right. because that means that God is near. Right. That right. his return it's like, is near. It's almost like um it's the horseshoe theory of you, you yes. know the horseshoe theory yes. of politics. It's the oh, horseshoe yeah. theory of um 
of theology. Like they're just the same as the Iranian mullahs, right? Who want to start a nuclear war so that the what is it, the twelfth imam will come and 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 bring the end of all things, right? Well, they're like, yeah, it's got to get worse before it gets better, right? So like, what let's is, just what is celebrate that? it getting worse. Is that Vladimir Lenin? The worse, the better. I think that's a famous Lenin quote. The worse, could, the better. Could be. Yeah, and, and American Christians. The worse, the better. <laughs> and so, you know, I don't. You know, I think it's important for us to not just sit up on our high horses and be like, "Oh, you people who you pre millennials." Um, I, like I, Kirk, you know me. Like I, I believe in in being winsome. And yeah. like there was co someone coming in, someone who watches way too much news. Um, and and I before I've had a conversation with him where I'm like, listen. Like you, you got to understand what cable news is, is like, they are a business that wants money and ratings. And like, the more they get you like fired up and angry, addicted the more you'll that. watch. Addicted to rage. Yeah. Yeah. And so we had that conversation. Are you familiar ago. with uh, Chris Dyerwald's new book? I haven't read it. I've just heard him interviewed. He's kind of a recovering um, uh, political talking head. And he kind of has realized that the networks, um, they make their money off of keeping everyone's cortisol levels high for sure but, yeah so I'm, but i'm interrupting you go ahead yeah so um recently when it came in just like oh things are so bad i'm like yeah they they are you know we, we could name it uh you know on um uh not unemployment sorry um inflation you know this that like uh things things are bad um this is a really it, apropos discussion as well given um there are a, a, a lot of younger um conservatives uh, are like ready to commit Hari Kerry, not like this being the first election that's gone awful for them. And mm, I, Christopher, sure. now that you're 40, you're a man, right? And I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm almost 43. I'm like, oh, son, just you wait. You've got, you've got many more elections to disappoint you, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, and there's a lot of apocalypticism right now, kind of in, in the American church that's, that's, that's short-sighted and, and short on hope as well. And what I did, Kirk, is I just turned to Luke 18. It just uh -huh. read right from the scriptures. Um and uh and I the response um to this one particular uh, from this one particular individual was profound. He was moved, like, wow, yeah. And we just talked about like, what if we committed to like it, you know, everything that's on our heart, all these things that 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 are kind of raising our ire and making us uh, upset. What if we committed to like 30 days of daily and evening prayer for those things? Um, if, if every Christian did that, um, uh, you know, instead of voting or this, or, like, or, you know, instead of complaining about the the results of the election, if, if every Christian just committed themselves to prayer, think about how different the world would be. Absolutely. And, and, he, was just, and he was just like, that, that's, that's, that's the power of, of the scripture and of truth and of God's word. Um, and so are you calling uh, for the monkhood of all believers? I I'm calling for the persistent prayer. <laughs> I would, um, I would call for that. Okay. But, but yeah, so the, um, let, let us remember why Jesus did this. Um, the, the people were wa wandering around, uh, and I, Kirk, I, you know, I wonder, was this just idle talk of just like, we don't know what to say. So, Ooh, uh, what can we talk? Well, not the weather. We already talked about that. Ooh, <laughs> look at this temple. How amazing is this? And of course it was amazing. Like it, like Herod's temple was, was incredible. It was, it was one of the greatest buildings in the world. And yet Jesus is like, this is, this is nothing. Um, uh, and not only that, but like, he's, you know, 
that's this is not where God is. Of course, he's he's talked about himself as 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 being the incarnation, not in those words. Um, but he's like, yeah, the, and, and all these things are going to go away. Um, and and what's important is not to like predict that, um, but to, but to be ready. And of course, we have a, an entire season coming up um, of preparation uh, where, where um, and uh, you know they ask him when will these things be? What will be the sign? Instead of really, um, really answering them, he's basically like, uh, "You're asking the wrong question." Um, basically, uh, your response is faithfulness. Um, and, and I'll, and I'll give you a little, um, this will be your opportunity to bear witness. Settle it therefore in your minds not to meditate beforehand how to answer. Uh, so, you know, you will not be alone in this. So anyway, that's, that's kind of my word against this, the premillennialist notion that, um, that, uh, we ought to look for the signs and in fact, be excited about them because right. that means the end is near, um, we don't know, and it's not our job uh, to do that, but it's our job to to be ready, um, to be faithful, uh, to be praying, um, to be repentant, um, uh, to be not caught with our hand in the proverbial cookie jar um, when Christ returns. Like the bumper sticker, Jesus is coming, look busy. No, I, I, I don't mean that that actually has theological content. It's just funny. Um, it is funny. Jesus, the the ESV, which we are we are reading from, uh, the heading for the first half of this passage is Jesus foretells the destruction of the temple, and I, I like that you began kind of your discussion of this um, with the question, or maybe you didn't, but I this is what I heard: mm. um, what is what is the temple, right? Um, and the temple was the locus of um, Jewish devotion, uh, the locus of their sacrificial system, but most of all, as you would, I think you had said this, um, the presence of God, right? And so you had different courts, the court of the Gentiles, um, and then the inner court, and I don't have a map in front of me, so I, I don't remember. And then, and then you had the Holy of Holies, right? And, and what a very few number of times a year, uh, the priest would go in there, right? Even with like a rope tied to his feet, Right. In case like he had a medical event, he could be dragged out because he was the only one to go in there. And in fact, that's what Zechariah is doing at the beginning um, of Luke. Right. When we. Yeah. It's when, interesting how the the, the <laughs> very book of Luke opens in right. Zechariah. You know, it opens in the temple with the, the with. Yeah. With the presence of God there. Um, but Christopher, as you were talking about this, it it, it struck me. We have um, in in Exodus. Uh, really, uh, it's it's odd. We think of uh, numbers and especially Leviticus as being kind of the spreadsheet of Torah, right? Like giving um, details on, on on rituals and rites and how to build this and how to build that. But it's actually the um, kind of the last 15, 20% of Exodus is just instructions on the tabernacle, right? Mm. So it's, yeah. you have kind of... Um, uh, you could you could mark it from Exodus 33 or 34 um, through to the end of really kind of you have the new, the new tablets, the second set of tablets. Moses comes down from Sinai and then um, the Torah, the way it's organized, it doesn't doesn't kind of wait for Leviticus or it doesn't wait for numbers to do to do it. I mean, it puts it in, in Exodus. Uh, 
great and lengthy instructions on the tabernacle. And it ends with, I'm going to read the last verses of Exodus, um, the whole book of Exodus. This is Exodus 40, 34 through 38. Then the Lord covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. So it is it is quite, the, the presence of God in the tabernacle is quite evident. Um, mm -hmm. Then we have, um, under, under King Solomon, we have the building of the first temple. And at the consecration of the temple, um, it is filled with smoke. Um, and I, I do not have that passage up, but that is that is a, a moving um, image at that moment as well. And we also see when Isaiah has a image, an image of of um, the uh, of heaven. Um, he writes that. Uh, the how what the, the doorpost shook and the house was filled with smoke, right? So it's quite evident <laughs> that, that the God is present there in the throne room. Um, and then Herod builds the second temple. And as you said, it was lovely. And it's so lovely that these disciples are, are marveling it, as you said, right? And while some were speaking of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings. And part of, part of it might have been that these guys... These disciples were sticks from the hicks, right? They were hicks from the sticks. <laughs> they were from Galilee and um, they hadn't been to the big city. And so like when I go to New York City, you know, no, no New Yorkers stare up at the skyscrapers. It's only out of towners, right? And I don't even care. I'm like, I'm I'm here. I don't know when I'm going to be here again. I'm a I'm tourist. Staring up. Yeah, I'm like, a tourist. I'm, I'm not, a tourist, man. Yeah. yeah so I yeah. would have completely been the, the disciples marveling at the temple, right? The second temple was lovely. But nowhere in scripture is it recorded that at its consecration, it was filled with smoke. Mm. And so uh, probably hanging over all of it was a, a manic urgency. You see this in the Pharisees, right? To prove that this time it's really real. This time Israel will keep the covenant. This time um, we will not worship false idols. We will not marry foreign wives. We will not sacrifice at the high places. We're going to get it right. But like, even at the consecration, uh, probably nothing happened. I mean, that would have been recorded, right? <laughs> um, and so even here, uh, it's at the second temple, and we know, Mary knows the secret. We see this at the beginning of Luke. Um, the remnant of Israel is pared down to a teenage girl with a secret, right? An angel and a girl with a secret. And then later, Joseph. Joseph knows too, right? But this little secret. It's almost like so, a mustard seed that grows into a giant tree. Yeah. And it's interesting. Jesus says elsewhere, um, tear down this, in a similar moment, I forget which gospels. Mm -hmm. um, John. John, yeah, that's right. Tear down this temple. And in, in three days, I will rebuild it, right? And of, he was speaking not of the physical building, but of his body. Um, and so I think this is this is lovely. Um, 
the temple, the new temple, the true temple, the eternal temple, um, the temple um, in which the Lord's presence will never leave um, is there, even as the second lovely temple, um, which may or may not be real. And it's probably that that question is probably silently haunting the hearts of all the faithful Jews there. Um, the real temple is already in their midst. And that real temple persists. Um, and through wars and persecutions, even as nation will rise against nation, um, we who are in Christ, um, the temple will never again be torn down um, because the temple is present every time that his word is proclaimed, every time that his people gather around his table um, and receive mm -hmm. his body and his blood. Uh, and so this is why I think a lot of the way we read this apocalyptic literature um, instead of reading it through that lens of, of hope and assurance, uh, we read it with, uh, well, um, maybe, uh, maybe like dark anticipation or I don't know. I don't know. We've said enough kind of trying to peer into others motives, but I just want to encourage everyone to kind of realize that like, um, the true and final temple has already been been erected and raised and is present with us. So, yeah, and and I want to I, I guess uh, clarify a little bit. So, um, when I said like he's asked to give signs, and it seems like he kind of does, um, like the whole of 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 this synoptic apocalypse of which we only get a glimpse. Um, right. You know, we only went through verse nineteen, where this um, this continues beyond. Um, Jesus is really discouraging this this countdown sort of interpretation of the prophecy. So they're like, mm. give give us the signs. The signs that Jesus gives here are not signs that it is near, but signs that it is here. Like um, when Jerusalem is besieged, the temple's going down. Like it's not sure. like, oh, you know, like this will give you a, a an idea of like the countdown. No, it's like, nope, the destruction of the temple is here. It's here. Same thing with, with when Jesus comes uh, in glory. We don't know that like, oh, okay, well, judgment is coming. It's like, no, it has arrived. Like when you see Jesus coming with the clouds, like it has arrived. So all, all these signs he's giving us are 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 like not like, oh, well, this this will like um help you on your on your uh uh what's the on your doomsday clock. That's that's the word I was looking for. Right. These, these are not like signs in your doomsday clock in the in the countdown. These are signs that the end is here and um all these other signs that were given are not uh the end um but they're the age that we live in so right. between jesus first and second coming there will be wars and pestilences and famines like this is just the age we live in um there's gonna be persecution and um so we're not to be like oh, okay well adjust the doomsday clock to you know near midnight um, it's a sign of, of the age we live in, not a sign of the end. And, um, speaking um, of which, I'm yeah. sorry, finish your thought, finish your thought. I'm okay. Sorry. And, 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 um, what, what is our, what is our, um, what are we asked to do? Um, in, in verse 13, we're asked to bear testimony, not to hunker down, not to give up, not to proclaim like, oh, the end is near. Cause again, when the end is, 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 is when these signs are given, it means that there's no time, but in the meantime, bear testimony. Yeah. Yeah. So I just had a thought. Um, we, we, we talked about how um, in casual conversation with other believers, uh, the conversation often drifts to um, kind of the coarsening of the culture or, or cultural or political trends and events. Um, 
as clear, obvious evidence that that the end is here. There's kind of a fatalism. Um, this 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 fall of the temple, the destruction of the temple, uh, which ends up happening in seventy seventy. Yeah, um, in in Rome, there there exists something called. You can go and see it now. It's called the Arch of Titus, uh, and it's on the Via Sacra, and uh, you can when you walk under it. And Christopher, you and I have not been to Rome yet. You can see there's an inner panel that depicts the spoils that were taken from the temple. Um, when uh, I forget who it was, was it Titus or Vespasian that, that that finally sacks Jerusalem, and you see the golden candelabrum, the menorah, um, being carried out in a triumphal procession <laughs> out of out of. Um, being removed from the ashes around the altar in the Holy of Holies. Um, and so this is just a, I think to me, a reminder that like it has been worse for, for God's people. Um, and, uh, and, and what we proclaim the end is usually not the end for God <laughs> and for God's promises. God's promises do not end. Um, and 70 had to feel like the end for a whole lot of oh, people who had, <laughs> who had sure. devoted their life to the Lord. Right. Um, and it was not the end. All that's left of that glorious pagan victory is a panel on a really old arch. <laughs> but God's promises persist. Mm. Amen. Shall we uh, look at our culture segment? Let's do it. Uh, today, for our culture segment, we would like to remember Veterans Day, or as it's called in most of the Anglican Communion, Remembrance Day. Uh, Christopher, you and I are, are Anglicans, and as Anglicans are uh, in North America, we are actually a, 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 a tiny portion of what is a, 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 a global church body. And what's the number? 90 million people? 70 million something anyhow um, over 80 million probably not and 90 million. and it's and it's basically um basically english-speaking Christ christianity as it spread throughout through around the world and so a lot of those nations ended up fighting for the allies um in world war one and 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 many of these nations as part of the former british empire presently as part of the commonwealth um have um erected in town centers all across the globe, names on plaques in churches all around the globe. And, uh, and this, this is, uh, this is marked specifically by Remembrance Day. Um, Remembrance Day is uh, November 11th or Veterans Day for us in the United States, November 11th, because it marks the armistice or ceasefire, which ended the great war, um, 11 a.m. November 11th, 1918, when all the guns 
finally went silent. Um, and uh, and it also is fitting that it's in November. A remembrance is kind of Christopher, um, a really good through line for November for us as Christians, right? It begins uh, with All Saints, where we remember and give thanks to God for those um, believers who have who have won their rest in Him, uh, and then we uh, we remember and honor um, those who have those who have fought or in or in the collect that we're going to pray here, Christopher, in a few minutes. Um, those who, in the day of decision, ventured much for our liberties, we now enjoy. I love that phrasing. That's great, isn't that? Ventured much for our liberties in the day of decision too, right? Like not not all not all chose to do so. Um, Remembrance Day. Um, it's interesting. Christopher is known as Poppy Day. Um, and I don't. I, I should have looked up the story of this. Right? What Flanders? It began with that poem, Flanders Field. Right? Um, that there was a field in Belgium, and I forget what battle it was. Um, that that as the field kind of began to a, after the ceasefire and and plants begin to grow again, that that interestingly poppies grew on that field. Do I have that story right? I should be careful <laughs> that I that I don't that I don't mess that story up. Um, we about four or five years ago went through a really neat series of years, starting in 2014, which marked the 100th anniversary of the beginning of World War I through 2018, which marked the 100th anniversary of the end of World War I. And so um, we had a, had a bunch of um, interesting anniversaries. Of course, August of, 19, of 2014, um, there's the, 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 the initial flurry of battles um, do you know, Christopher, in August of 1914, Belgium, Belgium is, is basically at sea level. Netherlands, more famously, is at sea level or below sea level, Nader, like the underlands, right? And through very clever engineering over the centuries, um, through uh, drainage and canals and dams, uh, Netherlands has reclaimed much land from the sea, and um, these polders are, are now fertile soil. Um, but Belgium is similar, and Belgium is dry. A lot of Belgium is dry through uh, um, uh, centuries-long engineering of canals and dams and so forth. Um, the artillery, the shelling of Belgium um, in the Ardennes, the forest in the east, and and elsewhere, so destroyed um, that mm. that series of waterworks um, that that um, Belgium became one giant swamp and of course this is this is why a lot of the trench warfare was so awful um that's how awful awful those battles were anyhow christopher do you remember uh five or six years ago the um the tower of london um when it when they had one poppy for every soldier that died in world war one and i don't uh, remember that it, but, the, the but i'd imagine it was funny. powerful yeah, yeah. Uh, well it flew it it flowed um, out of the windows and down the walls and over the walls and into the moat and um, numberless, countless, countless. Um, I have in front of me, I don't, but I will in a moment. I have in front of me a map showing the number of deaths in World War One. And I was looking at this yesterday, Christopher. Um, France lost 17% of its fighting mm. age men. 
right? So one five men, let's say ages 18 to 38, right? 18 to 40. I don't know what the upper end of that is. Um, total, total French casualties, 1.7 million. Total British casualties, um, 800,000. Total German casualties, 2.2 million. Um, total Austro-Hungarian casualties, 1.8 million. I mean, at some point, these numbers no longer mean anything, right? How about this? Total Ottoman casualties, 2.8 million. Total Russian casualties, you and I were talking about this um, before we pressed record, 2.8 million. It's, it's, that, that's baffling, right? Because Russia drops out of the war when it has its Bolshevik revolution. And still, it, it, it managed to, to lose that many um, without even fighting through 1918. Um, there are more than 41 million casualties, 18 million deaths, 23 million wounded. Um, and it was called the Great War, uh, not because it was it was awesome or amazing, but in a in a more old fashioned sense, um, because it was large. Um, it was large because uh, well, well, the casualties. This is true for all wars, I think, but it was especially and damningly true for World War One. Tactics lag behind technology, right? So there was new tech, um, gas. Um, so many soldiers came home gassed. The gas was so horrific. In fact, that at the Geneva Conventions, it's banned. And even a monster such as Adolf Hitler, um, who had seen gas in World War One, he refuses to use it in World War II. Um, you have machine guns, you have um, you have aircraft, and of course you have shelling, artillery shells on a scale just never, never seen. And then later, by the end of the war, you have tanks. Um, and tactics were still the tactics that were largely used in the Civil War, which even by the end of the Civil War, if you've ever been to Gettysburg and you see Pickett's charge and you shudder to think that any general would have ever sent um, you know, men across that field um, just to be mowed down, right? These are still the tactics such as, you know, just like up out of the trenches and assault the other, the other line, um, even as they're, they're going against modern artillery, uh, machine guns, and so forth. Um, and this wasn't even the beginning. Uh, the this wasn't even the end of bloodshed in the 20th century. Um, this ends up being a horrific century. Of course, you have World War II, and then for us as Americans, uh, if you ever go to D.C., you spend time on the Mall, Christopher. Um, you realize that um, that 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 our our life um, uh, there's a price. There's a blood price um, of our life. You go past memorials everywhere, right? The Korean War Memorial. Um, the Vietnam Memorial, the World War II Memorial, um, the the Mall of Washington D.C. Um, aside, of course, there's the iconic Lincoln Memorial at one end, and the, the the Capitol at the other. But otherwise, it's memorials honoring the the war dead, those who ventured much. Um, so Veterans Day, Armistice Day, for us as Americans, has morphed into Veterans Day to kind of encapsulate and fold in all all who have fought. Uh, in, in in other countries, it's still there's still a, a focus, a, a kind of a shock um, with World War One that there's a remembrance of that. Of course, if you go to an English church, um, you'll see plaques on the walls. Um, depending that that eight hundred thousand English deaths, um, that wasn't evenly distributed, right? There are certain regiments that that were were fine, you know, that came from yeah, I don't know, I'm just making stuff up, right? Like the twenty third Hampshire Fusiliers or whatever, um, and then others who they all died. 
right? So there are certain villages, an entire generation of young men um, are wiped out. Now, the question I think often arises, and I always see this on, on social media and on blogs um, uh, on November 11th, is why should we as Christians, why, why do we have to pretend mm. that any of that is worthwhile or noble? And I think it's this, Christopher, and most Christians kind of reflexively go into, well, Augustine, just war. And I'm not saying any of that is not true. I'm just going to say what I'm going to say. Um, we have a theology that that I think is is good and natural in that it takes the givenness of creation, right? So um, Adam and Eve are placed in a garden. And so like um, day is good and night is good. And um, plants are good, and the animals are good, and, and and it is good that they are created man and woman. Um, and so, uh, if we have a theology of the givenness of the created order, um, I don't think it's realistic for us to rage against um, the fact that um, we're we're born as Americans, right, or as or as Nigerians, or as English, or as as German, and so. Um, you get to love what you're born into, right? Um, there's th this corny thing. We don't fight because what's in front of us. We fight because of what's behind us, right? Right. We um, um, men have always fought um, because um, they 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 love their family and they love the land that they were that they were born on. Um, the second verse of our national anthem, uh, which is, it's a scandal. It's a scandal, Christopher. Hmm. Um, that that it's not uh, that it's not sung because it's actually it's actually the good verse, <laughs> not the good verse. It, it helps make sense of the first verse. Um, oh, thus be it ever when free men shall stand between their loved home and the war's desolation. Mm -hmm. um, and so we give honor to to all men and women now who serve in the military who have stand, who have stood between their loved home and the war's desolation. And um, I think as, as Christians, when we honor, honor their life, honor their death, honor their service, um, I, I think there is nothing that is celebrating violence in that. There's nothing that's wrong with that. Um, uh, and, and we see a biblical honoring throughout the Bible of those who have, who have kind of nobly stood for, for the things that they, for, for their land, for their people, um, for the things that they love. And so um, in this this month of remembrance, I, it is it is good and it is right and it is fitting to, re to remember those. So, man, have I monologued. What say you, sir? Well, just to use some scripture to back up um, our remembering and honoring of, of those who have served, um, John 15, 13, and to, to read your KJV, Kirk, Greater love hath no man than this, mm. that a man lay down his life for his friends. That uh, it's it's quite a thing to to um, leave one's family and to go off and um, whether you're on the front lines or in support, um, like it's service. Uh, there's a reason it's called service. It's not. It, it's it's generally not all that rewarding, and it involves great sacrifices. You sacrifice um, seeing your family. Uh, I mean it's become so common that uh i i i don't even click on them anymore these videos of the reunions of 
of fathers and sons of, of husbands and wives um, where I think when video first came to the internet and we would see kind of this powerful, like uh, you know, wife hasn't seen her husband for three years and he, you know, comes yeah. back and, and she cries and hugs him and it's powerful. Um, and, uh, and uh, I, I think we, we have to honor that sort of service, uh, even apart from uh, the, um, the morals of, of uh, war or just war. I hope that makes sense. Yeah. And uh, Kirk, uh, I, you shared. Um, so did did you have an assignment where your students were supposed to make uh, cards thanking veterans? Is that a thing that? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I did. All of all of our students made cards for, um, and then we and then we brought them to to the VA hospital, and mm. the VA just kind of distributed them uh, throughout. Yes, that is that is correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um... And uh, there's one card that you kind of snickered at and and uh, and shared. Yes. And, and here's here's my take on it is Kirk, th this is why it's important um, for for teachers, for parents, for adults to to teach our kids the importance of remembering. There's a certain arrogance of youth that says, uh, you know, I have nothing to learn from the generations before right. me. Um, but but it's important to to like to honor doesn't mean to 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 blindly uh, listen and follow, but um to remember uh, those who have gone before us, um to understand like what their sacrifice, what their service was, um, and I th I think uh, would you read uh, the, the yes. card that this one student wrote? <laughs> so, so and and I'll just say this. Uh, almost all of this was from a friend of mine from his classrooms so so almost all of my students uh took took this task fairly fairly seriously a lot of them have veterans in their life and so kind of they were able to kind of make that connection but this is what this card said thank you dear soldier misspelled soldier this is solder like soldering iron soldier yeah. yep thank you for making us live throughout world war ii we are thankful for not being murdered by the Japanese. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. That's it. Um, and so, you know, the I described it as like a, a as if a bot, <laughs> right. um, like kind of assembled a bunch of language about veterans of like, right. well, we're thankful, uh, Japanese murder, uh, <laughs> like throw that all together. World War II. Um, it is clear. Mm -hmm it's clear that she didn't quite understand, you know, what it is that, that we're doing. And so it's, it's just the importance of teaching. Um, how would she know if she weren't, um, given, um, somebody to, to kind of share with her, right. um, significance. Uh, and, and so we don't need to get into the rape of Nan King or like, but like right. it, it is significant. Um, the, the sacrifice that, that these long dead, um, uh, soldiers from world war one and, um, you know, many of these world war two, uh, soldiers who are where we, you know, we lose more every day. Um, just, just remember that sacrifice along with those who are currently serving, um, who are on bases far from home, um, whether they're on active duty or just there, um, maybe with their families. Uh, it, it's can, a significant thing to, for us to think about. Go can on. I say this about love of country? Jesus, um, in the last week of his life, looks down at Jerusalem and and loves Jerusalem, loves his loves his hometown. 
Jesus, right? He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, well, how I, what is he? How I would long to gather you up um, and uh, like a mother hen, right? Um, yep. Jesus, <laughs> our, our, our great exemplar, right? Um, not just our exemplar, <laughs> but, but um, he loves where he was born. Jesus has love of country. He's right? not born. To be clear, he was not born in Jerusalem, but yeah. He's born in Judea. Yes, he's born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Yes. Thou art not the least of least of the towns of Judea, as I mangle the prophet. And, and they would have, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he loved where he was from. So it's okay. I think there's a lot of a lot of Christianity that gets squeamish with that, right? Um sure. But 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 as Christians, we love things that are um because our order is 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 created it's fallen um but um but but it's created by god nonetheless we uh i i have the i have a vague sense we've gone long um do you have any any final thoughts on this I now that know. i now that i've got been as controversial as i've been in a while saying it's okay that christians pray? love their country let's pray oh uh, hang on it's okay for Christians to love their country. Now, Christian nationalism is an entirely different thing. Maybe that's a theology topic for a different time. There's a difference between patriotism and nationalism, and certainly even nationalism and Christian nationalism. So, um, yeah, I don't think it's all that that controversial. I think maybe we mix up our words. Um, it, it's it's uh, yeah. I'll, that's all I'll say. Kirk, the Lord be with you, and with your spirit. Let us pray. Stir up, O Lord, the wills of your faithful people, that bringing forth in abundance the fruit of good works, they may be abundantly rewarded when our Savior Jesus Christ comes to restore all things, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. O King and Judge of the nations, we remember before you with grateful hearts the men and women of our armed forces who in the day of decision ventured much for the liberties we now enjoy. Grant that we may not rest until all the people of this land share the benefits of true freedom and gladly accept its disciples, its disciplines, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns now and forever. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen. Next week, Kirk. Next week.